Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. It's really important for us to understand here. Paul isn't saying that you guys have lost your salvation. That's not what he's saying here. Nor is he saying you guys never were saved to begin with. No, he's talking to men and women that he's, in essence, he's understanding that the vast majority of them, you are believers. You're just not acting that way. They were believers, but they were maintaining the same attitudes and the same outlooks they had B.C., you know, before Christ. In today's message, Pastor David describes three types of spiritual people. One type is those who are not saved, and a second type is those who have received salvation through Christ and are serving Him. A third type of spiritual person is one who has been saved but may act in a carnal way. This carnal way manifests itself in actions that hurt and divide instead of working with the Spirit of God to bring blessing and life. May you leave behind carnal ways and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Day of Judgment. Well, we've, we've all heard it before, and my thought is that probably most of us, if not all of us, have been guilty in actually being a participant of it ourselves. Dada, does precious, precious want some wawa? <laughs> baby want some jujus? It's baby talk. Why do we talk baby talk to babies? Because they can't understand us for the most part, okay? I understand that. But why do we usually like pitch our voices up so high? We we rattle off um, vowels and consonants many times that don't make any sense at all, just trying to get their attention. Because they know that if we talk, or we know that if we talk in just normal, regular conversation, the baby's not going to understand us anyway. We're in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul is telling the church in Corinth, I've had to talk to you in baby talk up until now. And when you start thinking about that and thinking about why, again, it's because of their immaturity, because they weren't able to handle the stuff that he really wanted to give them at that time. And so he spoke to them with this simplicity. They, and, and they came back to him almost with their own air of superiority. He wanted to just give the gospel to them very clearly and plainly. And then they, they come back. Uh, all they wanted to hear was how good they really were rather than what Paul was telling them about, again, the issues in their life. Now, you got to understand, here we are, and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
It's been about four or five years since the uh, church there in Corinth was, was actually birthed as Paul had come in and brought the gospel message to that area. And again, this church in Corinth, they, they've shown some evidence, again, of, of, of maturing, but they've not matured very much. And Paul tells them, even now you're still not able to receive the deeper things of the faith. Listen to what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse uh, one. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you're still carnal. He tried to communicate to them. He tried to share with them, and they just weren't getting it. So now he comes in, he says, and and you're still not getting it. You're still not able to receive these deeper things of the faith because you're still carnal. And we've already seen it. We know that there's two types of people in the world. Hopefully, if you've got truly a biblical worldview, you'll understand that there are two types of people in the world. There are the lost and there are the saved. There's a clear line between those two. But now Paul, in the book of First Corinthians here, he brings us actually a third category of people. And this third category is a believer that acts like the natural man. He states that they're still carnal. Uh, Paul uses that Greek word sarkinos, so it comes from this idea of uh, sarks, uh, the, the flesh. And he's saying that you guys are, are fleshly minded. You, you deal with things on a human level only. You deal with things on, on a mortal level, on a very earthly level. You're still carnal in your thinking. And he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to men and women who profess that they know Christ. And he says, you guys still act, respond, and think like the world. Now, the opposite of that is pneumaticos, which is spiritual, to be spiritually in, spiritually minded, uh, being able to deal with, to open up to those things that are divine, those things that are supernatural. And again, way too many believers, they still live in this earthiness. They really don't think, they don't allow themselves to think of those things that are supernatural, those things that are divine. And that's where Paul is speaking to this church right now. You guys are still carnal in your understanding. In essence, what he's telling him is you're, you're, you're thinking and acting like you're still a part of this world. Now, it's really important for us to understand here. Paul isn't saying that you guys have lost your salvation. That's not what he's saying here. Nor is he saying you guys never were saved to begin with. No, he's talking to men and women that he's, in essence, he's understanding that the vast majority of them, you are believers. You're just not acting that way. They were believers, but they were maintaining the same attitudes and the same outlooks they had B.C., you know, before Christ, before they came to Christ. They're living in the same way. The attitudes, those kinds of attitudes, you and I need to understand, that's wrong for us to have as believers, our attitudes should be completely different as believers than the attitudes and the actions of the world. And Paul is calling them on the carpet for that very thing, for, for maintaining that same kind of a thought process. But he's not telling them that they're lost, and he's not telling them that they're going to lose their salvation. 
And you need to understand that because there's a lot of people that say, well, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. Well, Paul is telling us right here that yes, there is. And it's a Christian who is, again, back thinking like the world and acting like the world. He's telling them you need to take into account the way that you're acting. Look what he says in verse three here. He says, for you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Again, he's not saying they're lost. He's saying you're acting like the world acts. He had already touched on this a little bit earlier, back in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, speaking about all the divisions, one saying he's of Apollos, the other saying they're of Cephas, the other saying I'm of Paul, and then the other ones that say, well, I'm of Christ. He's, he's already gone there. And, and so here we come back again, but you got to remember that we've been studying this book now for a number of weeks, but for Paul, this is all kind of the same flow of thought as he's coming along here. So he comes back to this, and he's not going to tolerate this kind of division within the body of Christ over these personalities, whether it be his personality or, or anyone else's personality. It reeks of the way that the world thinks. It's not the mind of Christ. Divisions are not of the body of Christ. The body of Christ comes together and with all of our differences, and by the way, there are differences within the body of Christ. Amen? Yeah, because you guys are a whole lot different than you guys are, and you guys are different than you guys. As a matter of fact, each one of us individually have differences. And so we work together in those differences, and that's what really makes the body of Christ strong when those differences work together in unison. Each strength that each one has, each gifting that each one has, working together with the others. Each one supplying what the Lord has given you for the work of the body. That's why we spoke about even, I think it was just this last Sunday, about the importance of being a part of a local body so that all those parts and all those pieces are joined together. When we follow personalities, Paul says we're just carnal, we're just earthy. That's all there is to it. Certainly you can enjoy one Bible teacher over another. I understand that. But it should never, ever be a cause for division. And yet here in Corinth, it had already caused this great division here within that one body. There was this group over here of Apollos, this group of Cephas, this group over here of Paul, and then this other elite group say, well, I'm just of Christ. I don't, all I do is read the red letters. I don't read any of the rest of the Bible. It's unimportant. I read only the red letters. Today in the church, we do the same thing. We, we, we can and we have done the same thing. When we place ourselves in some kind of a higher category than a brother or a sister in Christ because of the Bible uh, teachers that we love or that we follow, not because of doctrinal issues, but simply at a point of personalities, we're doing the same thing. Doctrine is a major issue. And doctrine actually ought to be a determining factor. If you're in a place that's teaching the wrong doctrine, hey, you need to split from there. You need to be divided from there. But not personalities. Sad thing is there's a lot of Bible teachers and even ministries that are buying into this idea of, of, of puffing up personalities and drawing people to personalities. Uh, 
I've even read flyers and, and stuff that comes on the internet. They, certain conferences where they speak of having so-and-so, this well-known Christian personality as the main speaker. You think, really? Uh, a Christian personality. That just doesn't make sense to me. He or she is, well, they're, they're big on the Christian conference circuit. And you think, really? It just does, or concert circuit too. Yeah, we can even be drawn to the personalities of people who are called to be, quote unquote, worship leaders. And it's more, again, uh, looks more like an earthly concert than it does truly a, a worship time. When we introduce or we relate to somebody on the level of their standing in the world, because they're important in the world, and I can really relate to that guy, you know what? We're just being carnal. We're just being like the world. I'd much rather listen to somebody that the world doesn't know, but who's so intimately acquainted with Jesus. I'd much rather listen to that person who's been in touch with the Lord in a very close and intimate way than the latest, greatest flavor of the month uh, personality, Christian personality. We have, a, we have a dear friend up in the White Mountains. Some of you know him, uh, Nick Sienski. He pastors a very small church in a very small community. Uh, in fact, their whole community is probably smaller than some of you guys' neighborhoods. But uh, he doesn't, Nick doesn't speak at conferences. He's not called to headline any kind of big crusades. But he knows Jesus, and I believe that he's known by Jesus. And that's a powerful thing. And you know what? His wisdom and his counsel to Tot and I through, man, about the last 20 years or so that we've known them, it's been priceless, priceless. You'll never hear his name on, 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 on big signs or anything. But he's a guy that, again, he's in touch with the Lord, and the Lord speaks through him. He, he doesn't have a huge Facebook following either, you know. But he's a guy that lets the Holy Spirit flow through him. And you'll never meet a more humble guy than Nick. He knows that it's not about him. It's all about Jesus. And this is what Paul is trying to get across to these folks here in Corinth. And whenever I I read this, and I've studied Corinthians over and over through the years. I preached on it several times. But it it never ceases to amaze me to think of how this church, freshly born, five years old, just a few years after the very time of Christ, the move of the Holy Spirit, the move of God uh, in, in bringing people to the kingdom was so fresh and so powerful. And that these people had already gotten to the point of following after personalities rather than just following after Jesus. And how dangerous that is and how quick people are to get that way. Because in our humanity, we're so easy to slide back in to that carnal way, that earthy way. Paul goes on to speak to them in verse 5. He says, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. He said, I planted and Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. 
So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Paul wants him to understand that, that he might have been the one that, that through his ministry, that church was birthed. And maybe there were some individuals that came to Christ during his ministry, but it was the work of the Holy Spirit that drew men to Jesus. One man may have planted the seed and another man might have watered the garden, but it truly is God that brings the increase. God uses the foolishness of preaching. And when you think about it, the foolishness of preaching, a man standing up, opening up the word of God and declaring the truths of God, God uses the foolishness of preaching to bring people to himself. And that's not because of the greatness of the orator. That's the greatness of God and the work of the Spirit within an individual's life. People who are open to be able and willing to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to them. And you might have come to faith under the teaching of one individual or one particular ministry, maybe another individual or a Bible study or preaching or other ministry activities or programs have, have fed into your life and encouraged and challenged your life, challenged your walk in Christ. Then there might have been a multitude of other resources. There might have been books or radio programs or TV programs or conferences or studies that you've, that you've gone through. All of these things adding to your spiritual growth. But the bottom line is, is that unless the Lord reveals himself to you, unless the Holy Spirit opens up your mind, you would have never received and you would have never grown in your faith. That's what Paul is trying to get across to him, man. Get focused on Jesus. Get focused on the reality of what's changing your life. Because men will fail you. Men will fail you. And I've seen it over and over in my own life. Uh, pastors that I know and ministry leaders that I know through one thing or another have fallen and have failed. And people's lives get shattered because of it. Oh yeah, it breaks our heart to see someone that we love and that we respect if they fall. But beloved, our eyes can't be on man. Our eyes have to be on the Lord and understand that those that are giving the lesson, those that are teaching, those that are writing, those that are speaking, they're simply vessels that God is using. And if in Balaam's case, he could use a donkey to speak his word, then you know that just kind of tells us where we ought to be at, Okay. The bottom line, it's got to be the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's evident by the number of people that continue to attend Bible studies. They continue to go to churches. They continue to listen to radio programs, and yet they still remain carnal. Or worse than that, they, they remain lost, and yet lost. And yet they've listened, and they've read, and they've sat maybe for years, and yet they're still outside of the kingdom of God. Why would that be? If it's, if it's the orator, why, this person's listening the same as this person. They both ought to have the same response. No, it's the openness that they have to the Holy Spirit, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit within their lives. It's God that brings the increase, Paul says. The true ministers of God, we're, we're, we ought to be united for the very same purpose, again, that God would get all of the glory. And as a pastor, you know what? I I don't get rewarded 
because my church is bigger than someone else's. My reward comes in my personal, faithful submission in doing what the Lord has set before me. And you know what? The same is true for you. Your reward comes not in the number of works that you do. Please understand this. Not in the number of works you do, but in your willingness to be faithful to what God has set before you. Otherwise, we can get so caught up in so many things. Paul reminds us our place in the kingdom. He says in verse 8, he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. He says the attitude of a, of a Christian worker ought to be the same, not, not in competition with each other. But the attitude of men, I'm, we're just doing what we can for the kingdom at this present hour because the hour is getting late and the time is short and we just need to be doing what we can, where we can, as often as we can, as best we can through the leading and the direction and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We're not in competition with the church down the street. We're not in competition with, 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 a, with a ministry on the other side of town. We are actually in union with them for the work and for the cause of Christ. God's placed a multitude of workers within the field. There's a lot of trades that are working on this building that God is creating. And each one is equal and each one is important. We need to remember above all things, it's God's field. It's God's building. This isn't Pastor David's ministry. This is God's ministry. The moment it becomes my ministry, you guys ought to leave. You ought to go find someplace else. Because again, if it's not God's, if it's not God's ministry, then we're doing all of this for nothing. God's the one who's ultimately responsible even for the growth and for the success. I get out of the way, God can and will and do what he desires to do. And he then brings the increase. Uh, he allows others to join with him as, as ministers. But he's the one that brings the increase. And each one of us are called on to join him in this great adventure called ministry. Each one of us. Paul says that we're all called together for the work of the ministry. This isn't a one man's show. God has called me as the pastor here, but he's not called me as the only Christian worker in the, in the ministry here. He's not called me to do the only ministry. He's called each one of us, and we come and we join together for that work of ministry. And each one of us, we continue to build upon that solid foundation. Paul speaks about that building experience. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Take heed how you build on it. As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, We'd like to thank you for listening. 
We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the open word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching the open word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on About for information about the ministry of the open word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.